From time to time, as we're trying to think about topics or titles, what are we going to talk on is uh, it gets, gets hard, gets difficult. Uh, when, where can we find something that we'd be interested in studying? And then sometime it falls in your lap. And mine did. This one fell in my lap. Uh, for you older people, I was sitting in a doctor's office, and uh, they give me a little pager. You take this pager, and you go out the car, and you wait till it's your turn. It'll vibrate. So I got me a little pager, and that's what it said. The greatest barrier to success is the fear of failure. And as I looked at that, and I thought, I like that. That's good. That's good. Let's go to work on it. So, as far as an introduction today, let's look at a couple of things. And, and I apologize, I'm going to age myself uh, with the example I have. Larry Bird. I like Larry Bird. Some of you kids may not even know who that is. But he was a shooting machine. He shot 49.6% anytime he shot the ball. It went in about half the time. Free throws, he made 88.6%. Threes, he made 37.6%. I asked Zane, who's the best? He says, Steph Curry. And I said, who's that? Who is Steph Curry? Anyway, I dare say that Bird, when he was open, when he went to shoot a three, thought, two-thirds of these I'm going to miss. I say every time he shot, it went through the net in his mind. Baseball. Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris played for the Yankees back in the 60s. In 1961, Maris hit 61 home runs. That was a record, and it may stand today if you played the same amount of games. Think about this. He had 275 home runs in his career, but he struck out 733 times. So when he's playing ball and they're pitching to him and the ball's just right, I'm sure he's thinking, two and a half times, I'm going to strike out. No, he's watching it go over the fence. He never thought about striking out. He says, distance out of here, boom. May not be a very good example, but I like it, okay? What is fear? Usually in my lessons, I try to keep it simple. What is fear? Fear is mentioned 400 times in the Bible. Fear could be used as caution. We fear COVID-19, so we're cautious. We wash our hands. We wear a mask. We social distance. We take showers. We don't get around people. Caution. Fear can be caution. Could be dread. Uh, you young folks, you ever been in town and mom and dad said, you're going to get it when you get home? You dreaded that spanking worse than getting the spanking just to go home. You're sitting there, maybe they'll forget. Probably they didn't. Did that is dread. 
Fear could be alarm. Our car has this sensors on it. If you get too close to the car in front of you, red lights flash and there's an alarm goes off and it actually stops you. You're too close. You're going to hit somebody. Smartphones, smart cars. Terror. I was terrified once. In 1995, there was tornadoes. Pampa, McLean, Wheeler, Allison. And I get home, and I think it's Sean, Daphne, Becky and I get in the pit to go check on Beverly. and I am. We drive down 1046 and get to the Donaldson house. It's gone. We get over to Larry Elmore's house. It's gone. There's dead cows everywhere. The fences are tore up. The trees are gone. We go down to Beverly Road and all the garlands hay has been unrolled and in the road. We can't go no further. And as we stop, the ladies are crying. Sean and I says something real profound. Shut up and be quiet. We're going to go hunt them. And over at the hay bales and whatnot, here comes a bunch of muddy people <laughs> with the clothes on their back. Now, that's terror to me. I didn't want to go hunt bodies. That is terror. That is a fearful feeling. I don't know what your definition is. These are mine. So Let's think about it today on how fear can stop us. We've talked about what is fear. Let's study who to fear. Matthew 10 and 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill, not able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And you know who that is. Who can put you in hell for eternity? That's God Almighty. We have to be able to fear Him. That's who we need to fear. Hebrews 12 and 28, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for he is a consuming fire. In 1 John 1 and verse 4, and verse, 1 John 4 and verse 8, it says, God is love. Are we talking about two gods, a consuming fire, and God is love? I think verse 28 kind of explains it, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I think Brother Soto showed us when people don't serve God acceptably, God is a consuming fire. You'll pay the price. When you're not following God's will. In Ecclesiastes 
12 and 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Why are you here? Fear God and keep his commandments. What is your duty on this earth? Fear God and keep his commandments. What is your verse at the beginning of each day with breakfast? Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Think about it. Each day, what are you supposed to do? Fear God and keep his commandments. This is why we need to fear God. It's our duty. We was born and put here. God breathed into Adam the breath of life so we can fear God and keep his commandments. Another reason why. In Matthew 25 and 32, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate the one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. Do you know that God knows everything? God knows the good things you've done. He knows the bad things you've done. He knows the good things you've thought, the bad things you've thought. Everyone in this room. He knows that for everyone in the world. He knows that for everyone that ever lived. He knows that. So when it comes to this time of dividing the sheep from the goats and putting some on the right and some on the left, it's not going to take him long. He already knows. He knows your thoughts, your actions. He knows. He'll be able to do that rather rapidly. Think about verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil has created a lot of havoc for God. He had a plan for man, and the devil came along. It's kind of messed up a lot of it. So one of these days, God is going to punish the devil for eternity. And you on the left hand that not, have not served God acceptably, you get to go right with them. The place of eternal punishment. Think about this. This would be the most terror you can think of as being eternally punished in hellfire. Another reason why to fear God. Let's look at some examples, and we won't spend a lot of time here, and there's a lot of examples in the Bible. In Acts 9 and verse 4, talking about Saul, And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Saul, when he heard Jesus' voice, fell on his face. He was trembling. This would be a frightful thing to hear the voice of Jesus. 
when he got up, he was blind. And I don't know whether we will be or not. Think about Saul in itself. Saul was devoted to putting Christians to death and gathering them up, make them not be Christians. After this, when he went to Damascus and he was told to arise and be baptized, he went about trying to convert people to be Christians. What a change there was life. And this can happen to you and I too, just by following Jesus. Another example, we've studied about Peter from time to time through the last year or so. Remember, they was on a ship. Jesus came walking to them. Peter said, let me come with you. He, he walks on the water for a while, and he sees how boisterous the waves were. He began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. I don't know about you. I've been on, on a large ship once. Couldn't even see land anywhere. And some of those waves were as tall as this building. I didn't want to be on the water. So I don't blame Peter from sinking out there. Think about this, though. If you'll just ask the Lord, save me. Don't you want to have the Lord on your side? When you've got problems, say, Lord, help. Lord, help me. We need that. Don't be fearful of the ocean of life that we're in. Because without Jesus, we're going to sink. We're going to drown. Another example, Hebrews 11 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of things not yet seen, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah worked for, let's say, around 100 years. He built a boat. Bigger than a football field. Three stories. He didn't have very good hand tools. No electricity. No battery operated tools. And he'd done this for about 100 years. And it had never rained. So he's telling people, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. There's coming a flood. I expect there's some fun made of that guy out on this place. Building a boat because there's going to be a flood. He moved with fear. He believed God that there's going to be a flood. And there was. So fear can be good for us from time to time. Enough of that. Uh, what are you afraid of? Let's see what we can do to help us. In Matthew 28 and 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is a direct commandment that he gave to his disciples to go out and spread the word. His disciples are dead. They're not here. So that falls to us. So I ask you today, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost? Why not? Here's what happens when you're baptized. 
It'll be a day you'll never forget. It'll be the happiest day of your life. They'll be rejoicing wherever you are, the people you're with. They'll be rejoicing in heaven. There'll be a burden to off of your shoulders. It's amazing. It's a commandment that you have to do. We're going to tell others, teach others. Remember Ecclesiastes 12 and 13? Fear God and keep His commandments. A direct commandment. Over in 2 Timothy, the second chapter and verse 1, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I ask you here in this congregation, are we committing the word of God to faithful men? Are we doing that? Will this congregation be able to survive in the future? Are we doing that? Direct commandment. Are you a good soldier? We have a soldier on guard at the back. He was a soldier also. Brother Matthew, when he enlisted... I will present to you that they said, get on, get on an airplane. They flew him to Iraq. He hopped off the airplane, and they said, pick you a gun, helmet, backpack, go get them, Huff. No, you know it wasn't that way. He went through basic training boot camp. He ran miles with a backpack on him. He jumped out of tall buildings without a parachute. He practiced his fire. <laughs> I thought you said you did, Matt. You jumped out of tall... You're not Superman. He jumped out of tall buildings without a parachute. He knew how to land. He could run. He could go days without sleep. He could go without eating. And he makes the strongest coffee in the world. They teach you that in the military. He went through lots of training. Why shouldn't our teachers train? Are you a good soldier? Further in this verse. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance of the knowledge of the truth. Acts 20 and 20 tells us to teach publicly and from house to house. Are we doing that? Direct commandment. Teach publicly and from house to house. Now I realize 1 Corinthians 14 eliminates who cannot teach in the assembly. But men and women can be teaching in home or wherever else. A direct commandment. We should be teaching. Are you afraid to do that? Also in 2 Timothy, I think... Zane used that this morning. Study to show thyself to prove unto the God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have educators here 
we have ex-school board members. If you have a teacher that don't know their material to present to the class, you get one that does. Know the material. The devil wants you as a Christian teacher to be unlearned and ignorant. He wants you to be able to say, I don't know how. I don't know enough. I can't do that. And James 4 and 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. Everyone here is going to be held accountable. How you have taught others. Leaders of this congregation, how have you taught this congregation and those in it to go out and do studies? There's an accountability period. In James 1, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. It takes work to be a Christian. You have to do things. Then in James 2 and 17, even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. I'll gesture to you that you can believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all your heart. And if you do nothing, you don't teach others, help others, do any type of work as a Christian, you're a failure. It takes work. You have to do things. Let's look at it. Over in Luke 10 and 33 about the Good Samaritan, we won't read all of this. Remember the story, the guy was half dead, the Samaritan came and helped him, put him on his boots, doctored him, put him in the inn, took care of him, paid for his stay at the inn, left money for him to be taken care of while he's gone. Are you afraid to help somebody? Do you know it cost the good Samaritan? He might have been on the clock and had to take off the clock. He might not have got paid for what he was supposed to do. He might have had an appointment. He didn't keep it. It cost him money. He paid the innkeeper. It cost him supplies. It cost him to do a good deed. It'll cost you and me too. Matthew 25, we read there that at the day of judgment, he says, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was Sick, and you came into me. I was in prison. You visited me. You have to do some things. It takes works to fear God and keep His commandments. All right, you knew this one was coming. Matthew 25. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. I believe that if the one talent man would have taken that talent 
and worked with it and came back with one more talent, giving him two, that the Lord would have been happy with him. I don't believe the Lord expected him to come back with five or four or whatever. But what got him was he did nothing. He wouldn't work. He hid it in the earth. He wouldn't use it. He wouldn't try. And that's a commandment we have. Try. Use what you got. Here's the results when you do nothing. Verse 30. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you don't do nothing... This is the end. You failed. I was afraid. I couldn't do it. See how this works. <laughs> Y'all are in trouble. Can you see that, Brandon? I have a shirt that says can't that's crossed out. Let me go the right direction. Proverbs 22 and 13. The slothful man says, there's a line without, I shall be slain in the street. He's saying, I can't. I might get tore up in the street. I can't do it. I've heard people say, I'm not into that. I'm not good enough. Let Sean do it. Let Garland do it. Let somebody else do it. I don't know. I don't know enough. Get this today. God did not create you to be I can't. I can't is not in the Christian vocabulary. Don't use that word. That's a bad word. But you can. You can should be in your vocabulary. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'll look at you right now and tell you, you do not believe that. You do not believe that. You don't believe it in here. You don't act like it. You don't believe it. Mark 9 and 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Peter could walk on the water as far as he wanted to with enough faith. We could do whatever we need. We could lead a song. We can teach publicly. We can teach privately. We can do it all. We can visit them. We can help someone that needs it. We can do that. You may not be an eloquent speaker. You may not be a good song leader. But you can get better. You may not know how to study. You can be helped. 
You may not have the knowledge. You can learn. You can. That's the bottom line. You can. Look at Jesus for a minute. Luke 2 and 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Remember what happened. He stayed behind in the synagogue. And after three days' journey, Joseph and Mary said, where's Jesus? They couldn't find him. So they go back to get Jesus, and he's there in the synagogue learning from the elders. He tells them in verse 39, And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not that I must be about my father's business. I ask you today, why aren't you about your father's business? Why aren't you about doing the work of the Lord? There's got to be a reason. Here's one of Zane's verses. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life is even a vapor that appeareth in a little while and then vanishes away. How many more times do you have? How much more time do you have? The cemetery is full of good intentions. I don't know how much time you have. One last verse. Acts 26 and 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost will get you what? Very little, won't it? You was almost killed in a car wreck? What does that make? That means you didn't make it. Are you almost a Christian? Have you been baptized? We have water. We've got, we got everything. We've got people that will help you. Be the happiest day of your life. Now it's time. Are you right with God? Have you been working like you should have? Are you slacking off? One last thought. The shirt that says can't, if you're not a Christian and living faithfully, you can't go to heaven. Take that with you. You cannot go to heaven if you haven't been baptized and you're not doing the work of the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.